It's been six weeks since attorneys gave their closing arguments in the trial of Officer Thomas Gaffney, former Officer Joseph Walsh, and former Detective David March. They were accused of lying to cover up for Jason Van Dyke after he shot Laquan McDonald. Laquan McDonald was a human being. He deserved due process and the law, and not to have police officers write false reports and shape a false narrative to justify his killing. Following the law was a completely foreign concept to Laquan McDonald. Based on all the evidence in this court, I can't think of one law Laquan McDonald followed. Today, Judge Dominica Stevenson read her verdict in the case. This court finds that the state has failed to meet its burden on all charges. Therefore, there is a finding of not guilty as to every count and each defendant of conspiracy, official misconduct, and obstruction of justice. From WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune, this is 16 Shots, the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. I'm Jen White. Judge Stevenson spent about an hour explaining how she reached her decision. WBEZ's Patrick Smith was in the courtroom. Patrick, what was it like in there? Well, uh, it it was interesting, you know... um, Judge Stevenson, she she gave a very lengthy, very detailed verdict um, where she was explaining her reasonings before getting to the the final conclusion. And so there was this sort of interesting feeling where sort of what she was saying and the conclusions she was drawing along the way were making it clearer and clearer that she was going to come to a not guilty verdict on all of the counts for all of the officers. And so you had this, you know, it was sort of an interesting few minutes in the courtroom audience where different people were sort of starting to realize that. You heard, you know, police reform activists and the Kwame McDonald's family sort of starting to respond and shift and be like, oh, my God. And then you saw officers, supporters, you know, starting to get smiles on their face. You know, Marty Pribe was there. He's the spokesman for the police union. He he was grinning ear to ear when 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 it was becoming clear in the judge's decision that that she was going to find the officers not guilty. Kind of break down for us how she came to this not guilty verdict. She really kind of eviscerated the prosecution's case point by point. She laid out exactly what prosecutors were alleging and then explained in detail why they had failed to prove each thing that they were alleging. You know, she said there was no evidence that these officers all knew each other before the shooting, so why would they be conspiring? She said that Detective March did a good job interviewing witnesses and and preserving the scene. She said that one of the prosecution's key witnesses, uh, another officer, uh, was totally was not credible, that she didn't believe her on the stand. You know, she said that the officers, when they checked boxes on their reports saying that they were victims of McDonald and McDonald was an offender, that the officers may have been right to check that. Based upon the testimony heard at trial and contained in the exhibits, this court cannot say beyond a reasonable doubt that listing the officers as victims was a falsehood or was done as part of a conspiracy to prevent further investigation or possible prosecution of Van Dyke. The ruling that she gave today was was not that this was a close call. What she was laying out was that, in her opinion, there almost was no case at all here, that maybe this shouldn't have even been brought to trial, which is what defense attorneys said. You know, explain a little bit about how that infamous police dash cam video of the shooting played into this verdict. Because as we know, Jason Van Dyke was found guilty of second-degree murder, 16 counts of aggravated battery, and the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. And that video played a huge role in that trial. 
It, it did, and, and we know from the jurors who, who, who came to that decision that the video played a huge role in their decision. But the video in this case, the judge essentially said it was useless. There is no video from the vantage point of Walsh. The state argues that these statements are false because the actions described in the statements are not depicted in the video. However, the video has a vantage point from a completely different angle than Walsh and only shows the back of McDonald. The video does not show the front or side of McDonald until after the first shot is fired. However, the video does show McDonald moving while lying on the ground and Walsh kicking the knife out of McDonald's hands. What she said from the bench would have been music to the ears of Jason Van Dyke's attorneys. She really spent a lot of time on what Laquan McDonald was doing that night. You know, she said that the video that shows McDonald walking away from officers, that that's not that that's useless, that that doesn't really tell us what happened. She said that what did happen was that McDonald was walking down the street, swinging a knife. It is undisputed and undeniable that McDonald was an armed offender who ignored verbal commands to drop his knife for several blocks and continued to approach a more populous area. The mental state of the officer is nothing more than speculation on the part of the state. Only the officers involved in the incident know what their belief was at the time of the incident. We cannot now view the actions of the officers with the benefit of hindsight as to what they should have believed. Judge Stevenson said McDonald was a threat to these officers. It was reasonable to believe he was a threat. And therefore, it's right that they put in their reports that he was an offender. It's right that they called him an armed assailant. They were telling the truth. They were not lying. And therefore, they can't be convicted of lying about what happened because she says their version of events is the right one. Now, this case, the shooting of Laquan McDonald, the alleged cover-up, the eventual release of the video, it's turned the city upside down. It's just been going on for about four years. Did the judge mention or give any nod to the current political climate around policing in Chicago and America? She did not, not at all. Uh, And actually, after uh, the verdict came down, defense attorneys really applauded her for that. Courage and integrity. The judge listened to the evidence in this case, unlike a lot of the media did not. And it was clear from her written ruling, which you all now have a copy of, that she heard every word of the testimony in this trial, and she concluded, as we did a year before, that there never was a case here. Despite all of the interest that all you have, there never, ever was a case. They said that she did a great job sort of blocking out the noise, ignoring everything that was going on outside of the courtroom and focusing just on the rule of law and the facts in the case and, and you know, gave her credit for, for not including that in her verdict. And they said not including that in her decision making, the sort of political and public pressure that they said she would she could have been feeling uh, to convict these officers. Part of what I'm trying to figure out is how you reconcile these two verdicts, right? Like you have on one side, very similar evidence in both cases, um, the video being central to both cases. Jason Van Dyke is found guilty of, of, of his charges, but these officers are, are not. Jason Van Dyke's perspective the night of the shooting was not trusted by the jury. In this case, it was trusted by the judge. What do we do with that? Well, I don't know if we can reconcile it. You're, you're exactly right. You know, she could have said, hey, I'm not going to talk about, what, about the shooting itself, Um, But there's just not evidence of a conspiracy here. A few checked boxes, you know, a a word that maybe is wrong. That's just not enough to convict these officers of of felonies. But instead, she made a point 
to say that what the officers say happened that night is what happened. It was clearly going against the verdict that came down from the jury. Um, you know, what some activists were saying is when we have a jury of our peers, when we have citizens in there, they use common sense and they say, well, this video shows what happened and, and it doesn't match with what this guy's saying. And they, they essentially said the code of silence extends all the way to judges and that's why this judge in this case uh, found these officers not guilty. And I will say that it was very interesting to hear the judge today lay out her version of what happened the night Laquan McDonald was killed and it was so different from what the jury found in Jason Van Dyke's case and it was so different from what we see on the dash cam video. Patrick Smith, thanks a lot. Thank you. Some legal analysts have said that today's conspiracy trial was even more important than Jason Van Dyke's trial for murder because it wasn't about one officer. Something bigger was on trial, the code of silence, a culture of officers covering up for each other. After the verdict, a parade of people streamed down to the courthouse lobby where reporters were waiting, and they talked about what this verdict would mean for that code. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what they did was illegal. They tried to get Jason Van Dyke off. They tried to cover for them. This blue code of silence is real and it's thick. Activist Will Calloway played a key role in bringing attention to Jason Van Dyke's shooting of Laquan McDonald. He's now running for a seat in Chicago City Council. He said this should have been a cut-and-dry case. But this is what people have to understand in the city of Chicago. That blue code of silence is just not with the Chicago Police Department. Yeah, yeah. It expands to the judicial system. Yes, it does. And this is an example of that. Special Prosecutor Patricia Brown-Holmes also mentioned the code of silence. She led the team that brought charges against the officers. And despite the not guilty verdict, she thought the trial may have still done something good. We do hope that this has been a crack in the wall of the code of silence and that others will think twice about engaging in conduct that might land them in an investigation such as this. We now see a chilling effect to other Chicago police officers for the poor treatment they have received by some prosecutors and the media. Kevin Graham is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police. That's the union for Chicago cops. When the elected officials discuss low police morale, it is cases like this where officers haven't done anything wrong, that there was no conspiracy, And let me make this very clear. There was no code of silence that it will now be based on trying to correct some of the things that have been done to the Chicago policemen. Marvin Hunter, Laquan McDonald's great uncle and spokesperson for the family, was also in the courtroom today. He shook his head and said today was a sad day for America. To say that these men are not guilty is to say that Jason Van Dyke is not guilty. Tomorrow, we expect many of these same people to be back in the courthouse. That's when Judge Vincent Gone will sentence former officer Jason Van Dyke. Van Dyke was convicted of second-degree murder and 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm for the fatal shooting of Laquan McDonald. That verdict was made by a jury eight women and four men from across Cook County. We wanted to know how they're thinking about Van Dyke's sentencing. WBEZ's Chip Mitchell spoke with three of the jurors. The first, 
Will Harpest is a retired teacher, and he thinks Van Dyke should get more than a slap on the wrist. I think that he is a man that made a mistake that was a fatal mistake. You know, we have laws about that, and that no person is above the law. Does that These aggravated battery counts, some legal experts believe Gone would have the, the ability to sentence Jason Van Dyke to six years for all 16 of them and to sentence him consecutively, which would put him in prison the rest of his life. How, how does that strike you? I think there has to be a balance between the crime and the fact that he's only a 40-year-old man. He's not likely to commit this crime again. I know, as his wife said in the letter to the judge, he's already suffered a lot, and he's in solitary confinement, which is not commensurate with the crime, but it's for his own protection. So I think all of that should be taken into consideration. Now, the second juror we spoke with, she works in medical billing. Her name's Kathy Supplett. She was the jury's forewoman. We have a covenant with police officers. They're given a badge, they're given a gun, and they're given pretty broad discretion in using that gun. But the use of deadly force has got to be reasonable and necessary. And while Mr. Van Dyke thought his actions were reasonable and necessary, we felt that, in fact, they weren't. And because a life was lost, there has to be some accountability. Judge Gahn is going to have to, he's going to see Jason Van Dyke's daughters. Right. Probably for the first time. We're expecting a statement of allocution, they call it, from the defendant himself, Jason Van Dyke. We're expecting to hear from his wife. That's going to be hard. That would be hard to have a tough sentence after that. Well, it would be very hard. And I can tell you that (laughs) I'm still, there's times where I think about the trial that it's still just, just a kick in the gut to think about it. Just, you know, every day we saw those two families. We saw Mr. Van Dyke's father and his, his wife, their family priest. And then we saw Laquan McDonald's family. And, you know, we just walked in there and saw them every day. And, you know, we looked across the room at Mr. Van Dyke, Officer Van Dyke, every day. And, you know, it's just very, very hard. But whether Van Dyke should get a long prison sentence doesn't seem so hard a question for another juror. She's a FedEx courier. Her name's Charlene Cook. She was the jury's only African-American. I don't see how he felt he was such in danger for his life when it was police officers already there. It was like he came there already with something else, to me, on his mind. Like, I'm going to put this situation in order. And So what do you think would I be fair? I don't really feel like I have the right to say how many years, because I have said 10, 15, 20. Hey, but if it was me, let's be realistic. If it was me, they would give me life. So I'm not asking for his life to be there, but I don't think he should be in and out within a couple of years. No, I think he needs to serve some time. Not less, not less than 20. Just on the news this week, they were, they were the guy that shot the little girl that had went to the inauguration. They just gave him 84 years, and he didn't shoot her 16 times. Murder is murder. I don't care whether you're a police officer, fireman, doctor, co- uh, preacher, whoever. Laquan had family that's going to miss him, too. He may not have been a perfect child, whether he was a juvenile delinquent or whatever you want to call him. Somebody's going to miss him. Somebody misses him. Somebody loved him, just like Jason Van Dyke's family loved him. 
His family loved him regardless to what we thought of him. Van Dyke's sentencing hearing is scheduled to start at 9 a.m. tomorrow. It could last several hours. We'll be there. Sixteen Shots is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. It was produced by James Edwards with assistance from Joe Dassault and Carrie Shepard. Our reporting team includes Shannon Heffernan, Chip Mitchell, and Patrick Smith. Mike Lansu is our digital editor with help from Paula Friedrich and Gabrielle Wright. Our senior editor is Rob Wildeboer. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Steve Edwards is WBEZ's chief content officer. A very special thanks to the Chicago Tribune's Christy Gutowski. She tracked down those three jurors you heard from in this episode. And thanks to Tribune editors Matt O'Connor, Tracy Van Morlehem, and Angela Rosa O'Toole. And thanks to the WBEZ Newsroom, whose reporting was instrumental to this series. You can find out more about the case at wbez.org slash 16shots. Now, more than ever, facts matter. That's why the journalists at the Chicago Tribune are committed to quality journalism, relentlessly pursuing the truth and providing you with the stories that impact your community, as well as your daily life. Get fact-based journalism and support the future of investigative reporting, like 16 Shots, by subscribing to the Chicago Tribune today. Visit chicagotribune.com slash 16 Shots for a special subscription offer just for listeners of this podcast.